This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture with me, T. Shao Ik and Shamila Ganison. It's International Migrants Day today, so we'll be reflecting on this year, 2020. We'll be discussing what migrants had to endure throughout the year here in Malaysia. And also, we'll be looking at how we as a nation can do better in 2021 to protect the rights of migrants in our country. Yes, so on that note, we are asking you on Twitter in our poll whether we Malaysians need to treat our migrant workers better. So the options are simple, just a yes or no. You can also WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tell us what you think about the way we Malaysians treat our migrant workers. Um, and that poll, of course, is up on our Twitter account at BFM Radio. Yes, so International Migrants Day is observed every year on the 18th of December to highlight the contributions made by close to 300 million migrants around the world, but also the challenges that they face. So why this date in particular, you might be asking? Well, on the 18th of December, 1990, the General Assembly of the UN adopted a resolution on the International Convention on the Protection of the Rights of All Migrant Workers and Members of Their Families. So the primary objective of this convention is to foster respect for migrants' human rights. It stresses that migrants are not only workers, but they are more importantly human beings, aren't they? Mm. So the convention aims at guaranteeing equality of treatment and the same working conditions, including in cases of temporary work, for both migrants and nationals. Yes, so I'm Unlike the UN Refugee Convention, um, not many countries uh, have actually ratified this uh, this convention, you know. Um, and that includes actually, it might surprise you, some so-called progressive countries mm. as well. So we'll be talking a little more about this with our guest later. Uh, but just to run through the um, 55 countries that have ratified the convention are primarily countries um, which originate many migrant communities such as Indonesia, Philippines, Bangladesh, Mexico and Sri Lanka. And, uh, you know, you should note that uh, no migrant receiving state in Western Europe or North America has ratified the convention. Mm. And uh, Malaysia, which is also a popular destination for migrants here in Asia, hasn't ratified the convention either. Yes. So also, I wanted to make a distinction here because I know a lot of people get confused and we tend to sometimes use these terms interchangeably. Mm. Migrants and refugees, there's actually a difference. So according to UNHCR, refugees are persons fleeing armed conflict or persecution in their own home country and their situation is often so perilous that they cross national borders to seek safety in nearby countries or sometimes maybe not even so nearby. So denying refugees safety and asylum and or deporting them may have deadly consequences to towards them as we've seen in many instances of um, you know what we are familiar with are the Rohingya refugees right. seeking refuge in our country. And uh, migrants on the other hand which is what we're talking about today they are those who choose to move to another country mainly to improve their lives and their families' lives back home uh, by finding work or sometimes education Mm -hmm. in other countries. So again, uh, to give an example for Malaysia, it would be the Bangladeshi migrant workers coming here to find work. Right. So what is this International Migrants Day about? Um, I mean, firstly, you know, 2020 has been particularly tough for migrants. Uh, Many of them, including migrants here in Malaysia, have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. And this is through... uh, 
um, you know, just simple everyday issues that we might not even think yeah. about, you know, losing their jobs, mm. um, being evicted, or just plain discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been stranded here without income, uh, a lot of them without proper living conditions. But in many cases, they also face a large amount of exploitation. Mm-hmm. So the United Nations um, has said that the pandemic, and I'm quoting here, cannot be used as an excuse to roll back commitments to promote and protect the rights of migrants, regardless of their legal status. It cannot become an excuse for the increased use of detention, often in overcrowded conditions, and the forced return of migrants to their countries of origin without due process, in many cases in violation of international law. Mm. So on International Migrants Day today, the UN wants us to recognise that migration is actually a benefit that works for all the people involved. That's right. So with that in mind, what we want to do is look back and reflect on the migrant experience in Malaysia in 2020 and to see how we need to do better moving forward. So joining us right now to help us with that is Glorine Das, the Executive Director of the Naganita. Welcome to the show, Glorine. Now, before we talk about the experiences of migrants in Malaysia this year, um, can you talk about why, uh, do you have any idea why many countries around the world, including, um, you know, as Shamila said, progressive countries, have not ratified the International Convention on the Protection of the Rights of All Migrant Workers? Despite having signed some of the key human rights treaties, most UN member states, especially the major migrant receiving countries, are clearly reluctant to ratify this Convention 90 that would subsequently limit their discretion and ability to to restrict the rights of migrants living and working in their countries. Now, some of the key reasons for the under-ratification goes back to the obstacles such as lack of political will, legal barriers, economic obstacles, political obstacles, lack of awareness, public attitudes, and national serenity. However, the lack of political will is the prime hurdle to ratify the UN Convention, as well as the ILO Conventions on the Rights of Migrant Workers. It is further documented that governments that display a political will would go ahead and ratify the Convention 90 despite their financial, legal, and administrative obstacles. But this is evident that governments worldwide do not see migrant workers' rights as a political priority, which is really a clear obstacle to the ratification of the Convention 90. In terms of legal barriers in certain countries, domestic laws are deeply incompatible with the provisions of the Convention 90. In such cases, ratification faces clear legal obstacles as state would need to substantially modify their legislation. Given the economic implications of labor migration, ratification of the Convention 90 is also a matter of cost-benefit analysis. Reliance upon migrant labor is often associated with low wages paid to migrant workers. And by increasing their labor protection, 
The Convention 90 may therefore have an economic impact, which might fuel states' reluctance towards their treaty. The unwillingness to ratify the Convention 90 can be understood as merely a political or electoral obstacle, given the fact that migrants are not citizens, they cannot vote, and governments are therefore unlikely to take measures to improve their situation. By granting rights to all migrants, even those in an undocumented situation, the Convention 90 challenges the privileges of citizenship and blurs the boundaries between insiders and outsiders. Glorine, let's talk about 2020. How would you describe this year in terms of what migrants residing in Malaysia had to endure? Even before the pandemic, migrant workers were placed in forced labour situations, some in traffic situations with no wages, or low wages with denied benefits and status, performing jobs that were often dirty, dangerous and demanding, sometimes even deadly. At the same time, they faced racism and xenophobia in the places they worked and reside. They were blamed for stealing jobs and services that supposedly rightfully belonged to Malaysians. In fact, many blamed them for the joblessness and privatization of social services by the same elites that scapegoat them. Further to that, they were forced to endure slavery-like conditions at work and treated as commodities as a means to profit. COVID-19 pandemic has further aggravated the plight and the vulnerabilities of migrant workers. They have been laid off work, their wages unpaid, some deducted. Many face the risk of losing their livelihood and they lack the income to send to their country of origin where their families are waiting in hunger even as they struggled to survive in Malaysia. Many were evicted from their place of stay when they were not able to pay their rent. Many were arrested and detained because of their undocumented status, which was no fault of theirs, when they were waiting for their documents and approvals from the Home Ministry and Immigration Department upon registering with the rehiring program. Yet, they were seen as national security threats, as enemies to be flushed out. While we acknowledge the presence of millions of migrant workers in Malaysia as an important and crucial issue, it should be addressed in a more comprehensive and transparent approach. The pandemic time was not the right time to address this issue when we had a serious pandemic that were threatening our lives. And because of the rates, more fear was instilled in the communities of migrant workers, deterring them from coming forward to be tested 
for the COVID-19 virus and to seek further treatment, therefore regressing efforts by the health ministry to curb this virus. Those who were arrested and detained, as well as hundreds of them living in the Kongsi, the construction site, cramped apartments, and unhygienic places became victims to the pandemic. And we hear about that all the time today. Crisis often worsen pre-existing social and economic problems, and migrant workers in Malaysia have really had to bear the brunt of the situation. So recently there has been um, news on migrant workers' poor living conditions such as cramped dormitories and so on. So tell us about the kind of exploitation that these migrants endure in Malaysia, particularly during this year. This year alone, we have received 235 cases from migrant workers. Despite the MCO and CMCO that went on for a couple of months, we received cases from domestic workers, workers from manufacturing sector, plantation, agricultural sector, services and construction sectors as well. Those who were working from domestic sector, domestic workers were unable to leave their workplace on their own will. They received little or no salary and their passports were taken away by the employers. Some of them were under their unregistered agents. Cases of unpaid wages were increasing with labor exploitation, such as excessive work and conditions of forced labor. There were also cases of unlawful detention, sexual harassment at workplace, undocumented status of workers, wrongful termination, poor living conditions, non-renewal of work permit and passports, despite the high fee that they had to pay to the immigration and agents. There were also emerging issues such as the number of survivors who faced mental health issues. It started increasing, but it remained a challenge for us in seeking medical assistance. In our outreach in the plantation sector, migrant workers who have been working for several years were beginning to show signs of mental illness, skin problems, joint and muscle pain. Upon further discussion, we understood that this could be due to the pesticides and chemicals they use in their daily work. Therefore, when they seek treatment and help, they had to pay from their own salaries. The company was only providing 200 ringgit per year. We were also beginning to encounter incidents where migrant workers were not reporting cases of human rights violations due to job security during this pandemic. And due to the pandemic, which affected most of the businesses, the abuse and violence among migrants increased, causing them a lot of mental health, depression and anxiety among them. There is also an increase in the cases of violence towards male migrant workers, whereby these threats of physical abuse are made most directly with employers who do not fear retaliation from male migrant workers. There's also been a spike in cases of both 
male and female migrant workers facing mental illness from torture, abuse, and exploitation by employers. The pandemic also caused employers to spend little for their workers or rather avoid their responsibilities towards the welfare of migrant workers. In the cases of security guards, they were given a schedule to share the baits to get some rest. The living conditions were so bad that, as you may already know, some of them were crammed up to one apartment, up to about 30 to 50 people at one time. And during the food relief program by Tanaganita, along with our partners, many cases of homeless migrant workers were reported, especially the ones who were undocumented, which many of them required medical assistance. Most of them were terminated by their employers without any notice, and they ended up being homeless or staying temporarily with their friend's house. And Glorine, you know, a few months ago, um, Rehan Kabir, who is a migrant from Bangladesh, you know, he was, there was a search for him, he was questioned, and then later he was deported after criticising the government's treatment um, or so-called lack of protection towards migrants here in the country. And this was, of course, in the Al Jazeera documentary, which was called Locked Up in Malaysia's Lockdown. And then recently, a migrant worker from Nepal, he was fired after blowing the whistle on his employer. What can Malaysia do to protect uh, migrant whistleblowers? Whistleblowers, regardless of status and nationalities, must be protected and not criminalized or prosecuted in any work situation, including cases of corruption and mismanagement. Even citizens who are whistleblowers often pay a high price by taking personal risk in reporting cases. What more? for migrant workers. Therefore, it is so crucial to have legal protection in the form of guaranteed confidential reporting and anti-retaliation protection, especially against companies and industries who continues to exploit and criminalize workers. We are aware that the MACC has indicated there will be a review of the Whistleblowers Protection Act 2010, as there is a need to change and amend it according to certain situations and requirements in the context of corruption. But there's also a need to review it in the aspect of forced labor situations in the industries today. While Malaysia has shown its commitment in, re in eradicating corporate fraud, corruption and misbehavior through the enactment of the Act, there is still a gap that exists between the whistleblower's protection and the good corporate governance practices in Malaysia. And this is due to the shortcomings of the Act itself in encouraging whistleblowing in large corporations. Strengthening whistleblower's protection can contribute towards the strengthening of good corporate governance in Malaysia, especially in eradicating forced, exploited and traffic situations of migrant workers. So what other policies do we need in place to better protect the right, uh, rights of these migrants? What we really need is a comprehensive national policy on labour migration, which will cover 
the different aspects of migration, such as recruitment, placement, employment, arrest and detention, social security, health and housing, family and children of migrant workers. In fact, the Pakatan Harapan government set up the Independent Committee on Foreign Worker Management. Now, this committee was tasked with coming up with recommendations on how to streamline migrant workers' policy. The report, which included 40 recommendations, were presented to the cabinet, but not a single proposal had been implemented. We really hope that the recommendations can be given serious consideration as many of us at the grassroots level and the different civil society organizations were involved in developing it relentlessly. Apart from that, Glorine, we've also seen quite a lot of negative backlash from Malaysians toward migrants work, migrant workers this year, uh, including both documented and undocumented workers. We've also seen an increase in social media posts with xenophobic overtones. So what do you think we can do about this? And what do you think Malaysians don't understand about migrants? Millions of migrant workers in Malaysia, through their labour, made an immense contribution to the economy of Malaysia and to the well-being of the people who live in this country. They have played a huge part in securing economic growth for Malaysia and will still be needed in the years to come by the different of various industries. As such, the government and the industries, including the media, must play a more active role in educating the people that migrant workers are not their enemies or the cause of their own financial or employment problems. Over the three decades, they have taken on the 3D jobs which no Malaysians want to take on with such low wages. Some have even died building our country. These stories need to be shared so there is respect and dignity for migrant workers rather than treat them as the underclass of the society. There are also a lot of misconceptions surrounding migrant workers among the general public in Malaysia, especially the undocumented workers, otherwise known as party or illegals. Tanaganita is continuously discrediting these misconceptions with facts and evidence that we have collected throughout the years. In fact, the undocumented migrant workers, including the refugees, have become the convenient weeping boy to blame for the pandemic and this as to simply stop. So 2020 hasn't exactly been the best of years. What is on your 2021 wish list as far as the rights of migrants are concerned? Firstly is to decriminalize the undocumented status of workers, which is really an administrative offense and to recognize that becoming undocumented is primarily an outcome of labor exploitation. We also won the 756 children 
whom many are children of migrants held at detention centers to be immediately released or placed in an alternative place. There is an urgent need for a comprehensive response to be in place that respects human rights and dignity of migrants and include them in the current financial and health planning of the pandemic response. The government must make arrangements for safe repatriation of all migrant workers immediately and their families as well and immediately release refugees and asylum seekers who are detained at the immigration and holding centers because we truly believe that this action will reduce the risk dramatically. We also want the government to protect migrants from xenophobia attacks, stop scapegoating of migrants and refugees for the crisis. We certainly want living conditions and working conditions to be improved for all migrant workers as you already know that they continue to live in congested places and this cannot be the new norm anymore. The government must develop a policy that accounts for our true needs for migrant workers, one that is inclusive instead of exclusive in its efforts. When we are grappling with situations such as the pandemic, sometimes it is difficult for us to think of long-term solutions. But we believe what we have learned from the HIV pandemic and the SARS outbreak that all preparations, responses, and recovery must be grounded in human rights. And through this basis, it will bring about solidarity. It will bring about empathy and compassion, subsequently reduce suffering, increase protection, and save lives. And before we let you go, Glorine, Tanagunita is also hosting a virtual event in conjunction with International Migrants Day. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? In conjunction with International Migrant Day 2020, Tanaganita will be hosting a virtual celebration with our regional partners titled Migrants Rising. 2020 has been a very, very difficult year for most of us, even harder for migrant workers in Malaysia for many different reasons. The celebration of International Migrant Day is a choice that we made because we value our strength and struggle in making migration more humane. So join us as we share the different experiences of migration through our reflection in cultural and creative expression, as well as highlighting the important issues of migration in Malaysia and in the region. Thank you so much, Glorine. That was Glorine Das, Executive Director of Tanaganita, and she was talking to us about what uh, the migrant experience in Malaysia in this very, very difficult year, um, what are the major challenges that they face and what kind of policies and practices we need to have in place to improve their lives here. Mm. So we've just been asking you on Twitter just to get a quick straw poll on what you think, whether we Malaysians need to be treating our migrant workers better. And perhaps quite unsurprisingly, about 83% 
percent of you say uh, yes, we do need to treat them better. Mm-hmm. Um, just a small minor, uh, number of people, um, about sixteen, nearly seventeen percent, think um, no, we don't need to be treating them better. Um, and we have a, a, a comment here from Cheryl who asks first um, if Malaysia does sign the UN Convention, um, did, will it encourage more migrants to come to Malaysia? Um, I'm not an expert on this field, but I just wanted to say that I think the idea is more to make sure that those who do come here, their rights are protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also says, why are employers who are abusing and not treating their employees according to the Labour Act not being charged? Which is, um, I think, a valid point. Yes. And uh, as, as Glorine pointed out earlier, you know, there are many gaps in this process that needs to be addressed so that the rights of these migrants, who really so much of our nation's engine relies on, yep. um, are protected. Exactly. It's not a zero-sum game because by protecting their rights, you're not taking away the rights of Malaysians. Exactly. Um, migrant workers are here, uh, as you said, they are here to help build the country. And Glorine I actually used that phrase, I think. They are building the country um, for us and with us and uh, they should be accorded the same rights and treatment uh, that we as national employees, uh, we ask, we demand mm-hmm. for it, isn't yeah. it? In our own employment. Uh, and so uh, I think uh, it, it is it is incumbent on us to be a better host yes. for those who come to yeah. work for us. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking one thing I think I've learned um, over this the course of this year is, um, and we hear this a lot in, in various contexts, that a society is only as good as the, 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 the care given to the most vulnerable members. Yes. And 2020 has shown the results of that because all of these uh, clusters and all that break out, when they involve migrant workers, it's often not their fault. Mm-hmm. However, it's their treatment, um, the way that they're housed or, or the way that to, yeah, their working conditions that mm-hmm. has led to it. Mm-hmm. But that in turn impacts us. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a vicious cycle in that sense. And, and that's why I think it is important to realise that we are all we are actually all in this together. Yes. So as Glorine mentioned earlier, uh, the Naganita is hosting a virtual event in conjunction with International Migrants Day, which is today. So if you'd like to check that out, you can watch the live stream uh, tonight on their Facebook page. That's the Naganita uh, at 7.30pm later today. Yes. Uh, so keep your thoughts coming and tweet us at BFM Radio, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or drop us a line on our Facebook page at BFM The Bigger Picture. Um, you know, I'd like to make a call out uh, because because we're talking about uh, improving the lives of uh, people in the community, in your local community, if you're a young civil society leader looking to expand your networks, uh, you want to broaden your knowledge base and you want to build relationships to better serve your community, uh, you can apply for the Community Engagement Exchange 2021 and that gives you the opportunity to work with US NGOs in areas such as gender equality, environmental issues, government accountability and a lot more. So you can visit, visit IR rex.org, click on Find Opportunities or check out the Facebook page of the US Embassy in KL for more details. Um, hurry, because the application deadline is December 23rd. Now, if you missed any part of our show today, do download the podcast at bfm.my slash daily digest on our BFM app or on your other usual podcast um, places. Coming up after the 3 o'clock news, Julia Jacobs will be taking you through the best of this year's Law and Behold episodes. So, you'll want to stay tuned for that. Um, for now, here's a message, I think, from um, Shamila and myself, <laughs> as well as the Kings, uh, hoping for better things on BFM 89.9.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.